Martin here from Tyler, Texas. Glad to have you joining me on this Bible study through the book of 1 John and 2 John and 3 John. We're going to be looking at the letters of John, the apostle whom Jesus loved as we go through this study during this summer. Glad that you're joining in and appreciate all of the encouragement and support during these studies. Today we're going to be looking in 1 John chapter 2 that we began uh, the last week or two as we looked at that great passage from 1 John 1 starting around verse 5 that really kind of ends in 1 John chapter 2 verse 2. Those first two verses of 1 John 2 seem to go quite along well with the previous passage but also a great lead-in to this passage as well. Uh, the Apostle John has begun this letter that we call 1 John uh, with an acknowledgement. And he starts in uh, chapter 1 as he says, We are eyewitnesses, that which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which, which our hands have touched. Uh, for, for John, as with for Peter, in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, they were eyewitnesses of all of these things. Peter, James, and John, those three disciples, apostles of Jesus Christ, who were, uh, it seems, closest to him, going a little bit farther in the Garden of Gethsemane, going with him up on the Mount of Transfiguration, going with him and with her parents into the bedroom where Jairus' daughter had died as Jesus raised her from the dead. So Peter, James, and John, very close to the Lord during his life of ministry, and, um, and we remember that James, the brother of John, the author of these letters, uh, was the first apostle killed in Acts chapter 12 at the hands of King Herod. And Peter arrested for the same fate, and yet God was able to deliver them, uh, to deliver uh, uh, Peter. Although James uh, saw his life of ministry ended very, very quickly. But here we have John, probably the last apostle alive, and writing late in his life, as he uh, does in uh, the Gospel of John, probably the last of the Gospels written, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, some of the last books of the New Testament probably written, and then, of course, the Revelation uh, while he was in exile. Uh, the Apostle John speaks of being that eyewitness. He calls us to walk in the light and not in the darkness, 1st John 1, verse 7, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, purifies us, cleanses us from all of our sins. Uh, what exactly does walking in the light mean? Well, I think this passage and the ones following really give us a good handle uh, on that. And those first two verses in 1 John chapter 2 also tell us that we have an advocate. As, as John makes that transition from chapter 1 to chapter 2, uh, he says, I'm writing these things to you, my dear children, so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, be sure and know that we have an advocate. We have someone who speaks to the Father in our behalf, uh, the Son of God himself. So glad to see a few folks joining in with us. My dear friends, Larry and Lynn Murphy, always great uh, to be around you and your family. Uh, my wonderful friends, Joe and Lenny Allard from Arlington Days. What a great blessing to see you there, and I know others are joining in as well. Uh, so let's get right to it then, as we consider these words from 1 John chapter 2, which uh, John <laughs> kind of teases us a little bit and uh, really confuses us a little bit. 
because he's going to talk about an old command and a new command. And the interesting part of that is that it's the same command. How in the world is that possible? Well, uh, let's read a little bit and find out because these chapters in John, in 1 John chapters 2, 3, and 4 especially, I, I think give us the answer to that question exactly. He has told us to live faithfully. He's told us to acknowledge our sin. He's told us to walk in the light. And beginning in this passage, he's going to have some very specific teaching uh, about what that means. So, first of all, it means obedience. In 1 John 2, beginning in verse 3. 1 John 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Well, there's a lot of back and forth there. And as you know, from looking at chapter 1 of 1 John, there's a lot of back and forth, period. Uh, he speaks about uh, love, and specifically he's going to speak of that in just a little bit. But here, we already see that indication of obedience. Uh, that's where he begins in verse 3, talking about keeping his commands. Uh, whoever says, verse 4, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. And that's what he had said in 1 John 1. Remember he had said, if you say that you haven't sinned, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. Now uh, he says, if you fail to be obedient and you say that you know God, you say that you know Christ and the truth isn't in you. As we said during our introductory lessons, uh, 1 John seems to be addressing a little bit of something called Gnosticism, which was uh, more prevalent in the next couple of centuries. But at this time, there were some little bit of indication that people were going there. That whole idea of being saved because of your knowledge. And John says, look, knowledge is important. But knowledge doesn't take the place of obedience. Remember Jesus in his, in his teaching, especially passages like the, the Sermon on the Mount and specifically in Matthew 7 or in John 13 after washing the disciples' feet. Jesus said constantly throughout his, his ministry, um, if, if you know these things, that's great, but the blessing, the real blessing comes if you obey them, if you actually do what I say. Uh, Matthew 7, as he ends the Sermon on the Mount, he says, look, it's not the one that hears these words of mine that's blessed, but it's the one who hears them and puts them into practice, like that wise man who built his house on a firm foundation. That's what Jesus says the person is like who actually is obedient, who does what Jesus says. Um, and again, if anyone is obedient, if anyone truly loves God, then they're going to take seriously his commands. Jesus, in those few chapters in the Gospel of John, uh, while he was in the upper room with his apostles, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and then his prayer in chapter 17, certainly acknowledges that if you love me, you will keep my commands. Uh, several times, Jesus says that exact thing. And sometimes we hear that message, especially in today's current culture, in and out of the church, uh, unfortunately. 
And that is that, look, you don't have to be obedient. You just have to love. You just have to love your neighbor. You just have to be kind and be good. And all of those things are great. But none of those things take the place of the words and teaching of Jesus. If you feel that way, that what he taught isn't important, the only thing that's important is that you love other people, that is a very important thing. But at the same time, Jesus himself says, look, if you are not obedient to my commands, then you don't really love me. If you don't take seriously what I have said. Jesus himself acknowledges that that's something that's very, very serious. And that's what he says here. Love for God truly is made complete in the ones who are seeking to obey his command. And we got a little bit of that back and forth, as I said, in chapter one. And we're going to see more in chapter three, as John talks about what, how can you be secure in your salvation? As we said at the very beginning in 1 John 5, verse 13, John says he's writing these things to us so that we can know that we're saved. Well, how do you know that? Well, you know that if you're seeking to do his will, if you're trying to do what Jesus has commanded, if you're a person who says, well, I don't have to do those things, then, then you will have no uh, security about being saved. You will have no confidence in your salvation. Uh, this is how we know we are in him. John says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And again, we don't do that perfectly. First John 1 verses 5 through 10 states emphatically, and chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 state emphatically that we don't, uh, we're not saved because of our perfect obedience. Quite the opposite. We're saved because we acknowledge our sins and we put our trust and faith in Jesus, but that is a trusting, faithful obedience, just like the old hymn says, trust and obey. Um, and so we seek to, to serve Christ, and we seek to be obedient to him. That's where that security and that confidence stem from. If we are in open rebellion to the word of God, we're seeking just to live according to what we want, I think deep inside we know that. And our conscience uh, condemns us. And that's what John is going to get into in 1 John chapter 3. That insecurity, that doubt, that fear, sometimes will stem from our own disobedience. Uh, we can't be perfectly obedient. We've made a clear case of that already in 1 John 1, 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. We, we actually have that blood of Jesus that purifies us from our sins. But that doesn't give us permission to just go off and live as if Jesus never lived and never said a word. We have confidence and assurance in our salvation, not because of our perfect obedience, but because of the blood of Christ. And now we rely on that blood and are grateful for that sacrifice. And we show that gratitude by seeking to live an obedient life. So he begins with obedience, but then we want to ask the question, okay, obedience to what? <laughs> and the answer is, well, the old command and the new command. And what is that command? And and is it the same command? And if, if so, how, how is that possible? How can it be old and new at the same time? Well, let's read this passage as the back and forth continues in 1 John 2, beginning at verse 7. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had 
since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, verse 8, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and is in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. This passage very similar to 1 John 1 verses 5 through 10 where he says if we acknowledge our sin then we're living in the light and the blood of Jesus cleanses and purifies us. If we say we haven't sinned then we're still in the darkness and we lie and are not living according to the truth. Those are very important themes throughout the Gospel of John and especially here in 1 John. Light, life, truth, obedience. They're all tied together. They're all tied together, and we see that in this passage, and the thread that ties them together is love. That is the old command that's also at the same time the new command. And again, how in the world is that possible? John, stop with the double, double talk. But that's the message that we have. Uh, I'm not writing to you a new command, he says, but an old one. It's been around since the beginning. The command to love has always been there. Has always been there to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, th those are commands from the Old Testament law. And as you know, when Jesus is kind of tried to be put in a corner and the religious leaders of his day, the Jews and their leaders, uh, ask him to test him what's the greatest command, he gave two to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself from Deuteronomy 6 and from Leviticus 19, respectively. And Jesus would not separate them. And later on, as you know, we're going to read about that in chapters 3 and 4 of 1 John in a very clear and decisive way. This is the old command. This is the message you heard. He says, yet, verse 8, I'm writing you a new command. And we want to say, well, which is it? Is it old or is it new? And the Apostle John, if he were here, he would kind of nod his head and smile and say, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. It is the old command but it's also the new command, and it's the same command, and that is to love one another and to love your neighbor. And yet no one expressed that the way Jesus did with his teaching and with his life. And that's where John is headed in these important chapters of 1 John 2, 3, and 4. Uh, its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Again, darkness versus light. We saw it in chapter 1. It's that dualism, that, that good versus evil thing. And the difference in chapter 1 is acknowledging that you're a sinner. The difference here in chapter 2 is whether or not you love. You live a life of love. Love of God. And especially in 1 John, loving of your neighbor as yourself. Verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. You can't, you can't do that. It's not true. Just like you can't say, oh, well, I'm living in the light, but I'm, I never sin. Well, you're not. You're living in darkness. If that's what you believe, it's a lie. You're lying to yourself, and you're calling God out as a liar, First John 1 says, because God has said everyone has sinned. 
and that's why he sent his son. And now we're saying, well, okay, I am walking in the light. I acknowledge that I've sinned, but you know, I don't think I need to love that person because I, I don't really like them. And so I don't, I don't have to love them. Too many disagreements. They're wrong in too many areas. I don't like the way they're living their life, so I don't have to love them. Well, that's just not true. That's just not true. And what we're going to find is that this is the new part of that command. Uh, Jesus does a lot of, of contrasting in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it was said by them of old, XXX. But I say unto you, why, why, why? And what one of the important things that Jesus talks about in that is living a life of love. Loving your friends, uh, but also even loving your enemies. And that truly is what set Jesus apart. And that is also what sets his people apart, what sets disciples who follow Jesus apart from others here in this world. Uh, we see it all around us, loving friends and hating enemies, loving the ones who agree with me and hating the ones who don't. Real thinking that, well, I don't have to, I don't have to love others because they're wrong. And, uh, and we can, we can disagree with someone and their teaching, their positions, um, the way they're living their lives, but that doesn't give us permission to stop loving them. Thankfully, God never did that with us. And so again, this command to love others, no matter what else is true, um, that's the oldest command in the book, but it's also a new command as well. And it's what makes the difference between us living in darkness versus living in light. Um, and so we continue on in verse 9. Uh, you can't hate a brother or sister and claim to live in the light. You're lying. Uh, if you love your brother and your sister, then you are living in the light and you don't stumble. Why? Because that's the difference between being in the light versus being in darkness. When you get up in the middle of the night, you may reach for your phone to, to try to turn it on or to turn the light on on it so that you can see, or you may reach around and turn on that lamp so that you don't stub your toe or step on the cat or whatever you might do as you're making your way into the bathroom or into the kitchen, whatever it might be. And that's, that's what John is saying here. Look, you need to walk according to the light. He started that in 1 John 1, as we know, again. But what does that mean? doesn't mean complete obedience, but it does mean trusting in the one who gave his life for us so that his blood can purify us from our sins, so that he can forgive us of our sins. See that in 1 John 1, verse 7 and verse 9. And here, so that we can truly love our brother and love our sister. If we're not loving them, then we're not living in light. We're living in darkness. Um, they don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. If they refuse to do what Jesus called the second greatest commandment, and that is to love our neighbor as ourselves, that is absolutely tied to the first commandment and the first commandment tied to the second, to love God and to love others. Uh, we can't be faithful to God. We can't be walking in the light if we're not doing those things, loving God loving our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus called that the great commandments in Mark 12 and in other places. Uh, the Apostle Paul affirmed that in Romans 13. 
And also in Galatians 5, as he talked about love, in Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14, he says, look, you're free in Christ, but don't use that freedom as an excuse and permission and a cover-up for doing evil. Instead of that, love your neighbor as yourself. He put it in perspective. And then James, in James chapter 2, verse 8, the half-brother of the Lord calls it the royal law. You have to keep that royal law that's found in Scripture, he says, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what John says. This is the old command. That's what the way it's always been. You go back to Deuteronomy and to Leviticus. Uh, you go back to the first words of Scripture and you find that. But how is it the new command? Well, the new command is seen in John 13, verses 34 and 35. There, Jesus puts a little bit different spin on it, and he says this, I want you to love others. That's my command, to love others. But he says, to love others as I have loved you. So what's the pattern? What's the example for our love? We love the way Jesus loved us. We don't love the way others love us. We don't love even ultimately the way we would like to be loved. You see, that's the golden rule, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Not the way they do it, not the way they treat you. Treat them better than the way they treat you. Treat, you, treat them the way you would like to be treated. But the new command takes it even a step further. And that is when Jesus says, don't, don't use that as the standard even. The ultimate standard, Jesus says, is to love them the way I have loved you. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul puts it so beautifully when he says, um, I, as dearly loved children, therefore, love one another. Uh, treat others the way I have treated you. Forgive others the way I have forgiven you. That's the new commandment, to be able to love others the way Christ has already loved us. And we see that time and time again in Scripture. Again in that Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, beginning at verse 43, all the way to the very end, when uh, Jesus says, I want you to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, not without sin, but with the same call to love others, uh, no matter how they treat you. Because that's how God has treated us. Jesus makes that clear in the Sermon on the Mount. In chapters 3 and 4 of 1 John, he's going to really bring that out. And here in 1 John chapter 2, uh, he tells us that this is that new commandment, uh, to love our brother and our sister. And then he tells us as he closes out this passage in 1 John 2, uh, verses 12 through 14, he says this applies to everybody. And to make sure we get that message, he names off all the groups. Uh, in 1 John 2, beginning in verse 12, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I am writing to you, dear children, verse 14, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Well, I think we can kind of get lost in this and say, okay, which of these uh, commands that Jesus is giving applies to the children? Which commands apply to the young adults? Which apply to the older adults? And I think we lose 
what John is doing here because I think what he's trying to say is this is a universal message. This applies to everyone. It applies to everyone. Whether you're young or old, whether you're male or female, whether you're a child or a parent, it applies to you. This command that Jesus has given us. Uh, and we can talk about physical situations in life here, but we could also talk about spiritual levels of maturity. Are you a child, a spiritual child? Are you kind of growing in that searching and questioning stage that we talked about in the sermon this morning with the story of Nicodemus in the Gospel of John? Or are you a mature Christian? Uh, it doesn't matter. All of those, at every stage, we are called upon to love others. We are called upon to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, John, as he writes this letter, addresses everyone as his children. We see that especially in, in 2 John and in 3 John, those very short, very compassionate letters uh, from, from John to those he loves so dearly. He calls them all my little children. In this passage, he does the same, I think. In chapter 2, verse 1, he begins, my dear children, and he tells us that we have an advocate when we sin, Jesus Christ. Well, that doesn't just apply to the younger ones. That applies to everyone. Uh, children, they have a good beginning, uh, and they know that they have forgiveness. Fathers and mothers, I think we could say, those uh, who are uh, later on in their lives, in this passage, it talks about their relationship with God. You have known him, John says, verse 13, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you fathers in the middle of verse 14 because you know him who is from the beginning. So those who are maybe a little bit older, those who have a little bit of spiritual depth to them, um, they have come to have a little bit of maturity in their relationship with the Lord. And then he talks to young men as well at the end of verse 13 and at the end of verse 14. They're strong. They've overcome the evil one. Uh, the word of God lives in them. Uh, those are the things he talks about the, the younger men. And who is that not true of? Again, there's a, a sense of universality in these words and these verses uh, in 1 John 2, verses 12 through 14. It's done very poetically, I think. But John is saying, look, I'm telling everyone the call, wherever you are in your life, Wherever you are in your physical life, wherever you are in your spiritual life, you need to hear the call to love others. John makes that perfectly clear throughout 1 John 2, 3, and 4. This is the old command that Jesus has brought to us and now has put something new to it. And that is we don't just love others the way they have loved us, but rather we love others the way Jesus, the Son of God, has loved us. That's how this can be an old command and a new command all at the same time. And so the new old command <laughs> is given to us all. All are called to love. All are called to obey. All are called to look to Jesus. And he's going to flesh that out some in chapters 3 and 4 in some very well-known passages talking about things such as if you don't love your brother or your sister whom you have seen, then you're not loving God whom you have not seen. We're going to get to those great words in 1 John chapters 3 and 4 as he calls on us to love our neighbor, to love others with a very active love the way God has had an active love in loving us. 
Um, but first, next week, we get to look at this incredible passage in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. And once again, contrast. John is great at contrast in this as he contrasts darkness and light, obedience and disobedience, walking in the truth versus walking in the lie. All of those we're going to talk in, in the next lesson next Sunday about loving God versus loving this world. And again, we'll go back to that whole idea of the church. We're not called upon to be in the world and of the world, but rather as Jesus has said and as John reiterates, uh, we are called uh, to move the world more into what Jesus wants it to be. And it starts with us. I pray God's blessing on you as you go through this week serving him and loving others.